All right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to a new episode of the Mo Show podcast. I'm very fortunate that these days, not these days, it sounds a big, big, big headed of me, but I'm very fortunate that when I messaged you uh, a few days ago, Candice, on Instagram, you responded saying, sure, let's shoot where and when. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thank you for having me. Uh, Candice is from Newport Beach, California. She came to Saudi for the first time a few days ago. She recently reverted to being a Muslim. So there's a lot that we're going to get into on what that experience was like. Uh, and I think you come with a really cool story because you grew up in an environment that was the furthest thing away from the Muslim world, California, the edge of the world, I call it. It's almost like you're on another, we were talking a second ago, how it feels like you're on another planet. Um, what made you decide that I want to explore this religion? Like, how did you stumble upon it? So I actually met my first Muslim. I was at a bar and I had two guys that were following me around. And whenever I stopped and, you know, they started chatting with me, they were Egyptian and I was always, so I was born and raised Christian. And I was um, really, I was raised in the church and everything like this, but I always loved the story of Musa alayhi salam. And so when I met these Egyptians, I thought it was so cool because America doesn't have the history that there is in um, other lands. So loving history and stuff like this. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. What's it like being from there? And so they were really not impressed with like the Pharaoh stuff and the artifacts that I was really fascinated by. Um, and so they started talking about, well, you know, that's that's kind of like for the disbelievers. And so subhanAllah, it's just such a crazy way to be introduced to it. Um, it caused me to learn that Muslims believe in the same prophets as Christianity. And for me, that was like shocking. I was dumbfounded. Like, what? You know, and I, I felt kind of like honestly lied to by society. Like we're told that it's something so different, not for us. But when I started researching, I was like, this is literally the same thing. You know, the the messages of all the prophets to me were the same thing. So, yeah, um, and and I think it comes down to how you how we were conditioned growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it does actually sound like a lie that we've been told that you know the three three major religions are so different to one another. But there are so many. We have so we have more common ground than we think. Um, okay, so you met these guys, you were introduced to the religion uh, and, you know, maybe got a front row seat to what it's like based on, on, on maybe what they told you. But what was the bucket tipper in you thinking to yourself, this is something that I want to do. This is a religion that I want to start practicing. Yeah, so I did a little bit of research. Um, so I, I really just went on Google and I started researching and I went to the first things that kind of scared me, like... I don't think I was really interested in becoming Muslim as I was trying to figure out what's the difference between Christianity and Islam since they both believe in Jesus and Moses and the people that I love and believed in as a Christian. Um, and then that's when I started researching. I read some things about the Bible and I started realizing that I actually wasn't practicing Christianity the way it was revealed by Jesus, peace be upon him. And so in kind of getting to know the Bible better and getting to know my own faith, I realized that I wasn't practicing correctly. And I always say, I feel like my love for Jesus led me to becoming Muslim because when I started reading these, you know, articles about how Jesus um, in the Bible says he dropped down on his face and he prostrated to God, he said, don't worship me, which alhamdulillah, I never thought that Jesus was God. So I don't know if that was something I was taught or a conclusion I came to on my own. Um, and so it was in a lot of ways, I feel like I was already Muslim and I had the foundation for it. But as I started researching, I was actually 
almost insulted by the narrative and the culture and the hypocrisy, the double standards that lie in Western society to see, well, why is it actually now that I think about a Virgin Mary's always um, portrayed with robes and veils and Jesus and the disciples and the mangers are wearing these things. And it became really interesting culturally and socially to see as I was kind of exploring it, people saying, that's not for you. Leave those people alone. Um, you know, I didn't know any other Muslims. I didn't know if I was allowed to, but it was just researching the history. And then, you know, there's articles saying that uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, said there's going to be another prophet to come who's going to confirm what I'm saying is the truth. So I started like going, well, then who might that be? And so as I as I researched these things, I just felt like, well, I like Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's message. Great pronunciation. Muhammad, <laughs> yeah. And um, I just, to be totally honest, I didn't, I felt like how Jews denied Jesus. I felt that was wrong. And I thought about on my day of judgment, which I already believed in, I thought, I don't want to sit with God and have to look at him and say, no, I rejected Muhammad, you know, peace be upon him, because I thought I knew. And to have that arrogance really freaked me out. So I just decided like, all right, I'll do my shahada. And that was it. It was not a big deal. It was nothing important. I was like, I'm not going to do all that. But yeah, I believe it was about the fundamental belief of the shahada. How long ago, Candice, was this? I think it was six years ago. I don't even know the day. Like some people have like a shahada birthday where they like celebrate the day they became Muslim. And for me, it was just like another day. I went back to work and it was like, okay, like whatever. <laughs> And now here I am six years later, like teaching people, helping people. I love the faith. It's just my everything. And people say now, like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm Muslim. Like, subhanAllah, I don't know. There's just so much value to add. I do full-time fundraising. I teach people. I help people. And I'm just trying to, you know, help the newcomers, be a big sister, inspire, show the beauty of the faith, and then, you know, bridge that gap of ignorance that exists in the West and show them, like, it's for everybody. And what you've heard is not the truth. It gives me goosebumps that God reached out to you and made you feel that this is your calling and here you are six years later seeing the Kaaba yesterday for the first time. <laughs> I got, I honestly got goosebumps when I watched your story. I think I watched your story probably three times, all, all 25 posts of you entering Mecca and eventually seeing the Kaaba. What was that feeling like? Give it to me in a very dis descriptive manner, please. I mean, subhanAllah, it's just being the first Muslim in my family and to my knowledge, my lineage, you know, we don't, my family's been in America so long, I can't even trace back to who came into the country. To figure out my heritage, I had to do a DNA test to find out I'm half German, half British. Um, and so it's like to come into the faith and this like, I always say, subhanAllah, I had no idea that I was going to become Muslim and this was going to be my passion and my purpose. And to learn it and love it, you really never know what Allah has in store for you, where your life is going. And, you know, as I've learned the stories, it's helped me to like, I would say, become a better Christian, to understand the stories that I was raised around. I didn't understand these stories. And so it's like, it's just such a deeper connection to all of the prophets, um, peace be upon them all. And then like, I never really, I never thought I was going to come here. I never thought I was going to be able to do Umrah or Hajj or anything like this. Cause I'm just like, it's so far. And it's like, just, I don't know. It just feels special and it feels distant and it's like a big, beautiful fairy tale. So to be able to have the opportunity to come here and start sinking in. And I'm like, like when I go to Medina, inshallah, in a few days, I'm like, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is actually there. He's going to be in my presence. And it's like, I just cry and I'm just like, 
it's just so beautiful to be here. And so to get to make the rounds to all the different mountains and the masjids and to go to, you know, the Kaaba, it's just like everything's coming to life. And I'm understanding the stories even more where I used to listen to Surah Baqarah or read it. And, you know, it's talking about how to do Hajj and, you know, the things that happen in this area. Now I'm like, it's like talking to me. And I'm like, wow, well, I can't believe I'm here. You know, alhamdulillah. Entering Mecca, seeing the Kaaba. Did it feel like this is my calling? Like, did it feel right? Did it feel like you belong? What was the sensation like? I feel so close to like Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, like, and Ibrahim alaihi wasallam, and everything, the history that I feel like I am just walking in after they left, and so it feels so special because of the history and the attachment to them mm. that it's just so emotional for me, and it's just so beautiful. And so like walking in, it's like, you know, as a new Muslim, I really had a hard time. I went through a lot of confusion, identity crisis, it, imposter syndrome. And a, a lot of ways people don't expect me to be Muslim because of how I look or where I live. And so I always feel like, where do I belong? Like, and I've really had to get through those um, identity issues, social issues. And so it's like, now I feel like I'm just as Muslim as everybody else, you know, but being here, I feel more free to be myself, to be able to wear abaya, to try hijab and to get to do these things. And it's just, it's so amazing being here and to getting to see all the Muslims from all over the world. You know, I have followers recognizing me in Mecca and I'm like, what are the odds? Like, this is so crazy. Early days, what was the biggest challenges you faced uh, when becoming Muslim as far as, you know, the new things that you had to do, prayer and prayers and fasts? Any challenges early days? Oh, absolutely. Everything's been a challenge. And the first few years of being Muslim were really dark. And I think back at this time, and this is a lot of what gives me purpose to do what I do, is because um, I got disowned by family members. I got disowned by friends. Um, people thought I was radical, that I was an extremist, that I was brainwashed, no that way. I was crazy. I still have some uh, family members um, that don't speak to me. Um, siblings. They And it's just like, I'm like, it's so crazy because I'm so happy and I'm a peaceful person. And it's why? Because of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Why is that so dangerous to people? Why are they so scared of that? But, you know, it's, I have to take it back to the Quran and say, if they don't have guidance, and they're not touched by Allah's guidance, then they don't have it. There's nothing I can say or do. It's like they have sight, but they have no vision. You know? Until today, mm -hmm. they have mm -hmm. cut you off. and yeah. And it's a really interesting thing that... Being, you know, obviously a white American, people expect you to be a certain way. When you start stepping out of their cultural and social standards, you become like the black sheep. And so in a lot of ways, they're not as afraid to speak up to me and say, this is how I feel or this is what I think. And it's it's really ugly. It's really ugly to me. And so it happens a lot where, you know, Amer Americans find out I'm Muslim. They'll see my page and then they will just ghost me and stop talking to me. Um, acquaintances. I had a neighbor who actually did that. And so it was like, you know, one of those things you get to know your neighbors, you see them coming and going. Can I get your phone number? Hey, can you check my front door? Did I do this? And, um, you know, when they asked me, you know, hey, do you have social media? I say, oh, yeah, blonde Muslim. Never responded again. And I'm like, subhanAllah, it's so crazy to, you know, experience that because it's like obviously so many of the, um, you know, born Muslims come from different areas of the world. They end up in America. They obviously experience, you know, the racism, the prejudice and all the you know, ugly things. And so it's like, I get to see a very unique side of that because it's like, they're doing it to me and they're not very, they're not very shy about it when you're one of them. You know what I mean? Very catchy name, the blonde Muslim. Yeah. Does what it says uh, on the tin. On the tin. Um, moving to California. So it's a place that I spend summers in. Mm -hmm. 
I noticed that Orange County has a big Muslim population. Mm. I go to, I visited three different mosques in the area, Santa Ana, mm -hmm. Santa Ana uh, on Friday, and and I was very impressed with the number of Muslims in the region to the point that they needed two prayer sessions because the mosque was too small. It was a big mosque, mm -hmm. but they needed two sessions to accommodate all the Muslims in the area. You probably felt a little bit more at home with the with the level of Muslims in California as opposed to Reno. I actually, I don't know. Um, so it's like my family's in Reno and I go visit and it's crazy after becoming Muslim because you look up the mosques and there's nobody, there's no, no mosques. Um, or maybe there's like one that they do very small. But I actually didn't go to the masjids for probably almost two years after I converted. Um, because it's when you, and it's this really unique uh, psychological phenomenon where you feel like, am I allowed to do this? Do I belong here? Kind of like going to uh, a new job for the first day. You're like, I don't know where the bathroom is. I don't know anybody. They're all going to look at me. It's like doing that every single time. It's intimidating. Yeah. And so in the beginning, you know, you go and people, a lot, I mean, they're welcoming, but at the same time, it's very clicky. And when you don't speak the other languages or know the other people, um, you just feel kind of alienated. Mm. So even now, I really don't go to the masjid because as a new Muslim, I felt kind of felt kind of weird, you know, I'm there, I'm fasting Ramadan, I'm praying Tarawih, and people are like, are you writing a paper? What are you doing here? And I'm like, you know, and then uh, in COVID, I started getting a lot of followers. And now when I go, a lot of people recognize me, which is really exciting to be able to connect, but I'm, I'm shy. And so it's like, I went from like feeling like I stand out because of the way I look and I don't speak the language and to now like people know me and they want to take pictures. And I'm like, I don't want to be a distraction. So I do a lot of my Salah at home and I'm trying to get out of my, my uh, kind of, it's kind of isolating, you know? Were you ever asked, I mean, the subject is hijab, and I wanted to know, were you ever asked to wear one? Were you ever wearing one and asked to remove it? What relationship do you have with, with that world? I mean, this is a difficult topic for me because it's like I was 31 or 32 years my whole life um, never wearing it, never being exposed to this. And there is a huge pressure when you become Muslim from Muslims. Like I have never been bullied like this in my life or experienced this kind of hate until I became Muslim. And the the pressure, the comments, the advising, I just feel like it's very toxic and it's very out of control. And so, you know, as a new Muslim, it's like this weird thing where everybody feels this. I talk to a lot of people who are interested in becoming Muslim and the number one deterrent to doing shahada is you know, after talking to thousands of people is that they feel this pressure to be perfect. They need to already be a hijabi. They are, they need to already know Arabic. They need to already be fasting and praying. And it's like, we need to take it back to how the Sahaba and how Muhammad وسلم, was. They learned over 23 years as the Quran was revealed. You know, the first 10, 12 years, they focused on the heart and, you know, they celebrated their, their battles and with drinking and stuff like this. So it's like, I feel like Muslims forget that it's, you have to really like, it's like a small seed. You have to put in long roots before it starts growing and it's many years till you have the fruit. Same thing, it's like, there's a lot of pressure. Like, you don't look how we want you to look. You don't wear hijab, you're going to Jahannam. There's judgment. I mean, people saying, I look like a porn star, saying I'm in the FBI, saying all sorts of crazy things, always hurting my feelings. And it it doesn't bring me closer to it or make it any easier. And I wish that they would, stop and realize like my mom's not a hijabi my mom doesn't even know shahada you know what I mean? can you imagine like having parents that don't understand and then expect me to put it on in california by myself where my family isn't i don't have a mahrim i don't have anybody to protect me or like walk with me in it 
So it's like to get to the point where I'm praying and I get to come here and I can wear it. I can practice. It's a lot less scary because I really I do feel, you know, just kind of afraid because it's like maybe it's coming from these circles and being from this culture. I know how hateful they are, um, but I've worn it before. I, I felt really stressed to wear it in the beginning and I would try and I'd sit in my car and I'd cry and I'd be like, I suck at this. Like it made me want to leave Islam when I put so much pressure on myself to grow. Like I can't do this and I can't do that. And when I finally was like, okay, Candace, you need to calm down. And I took it back and I compete with myself in getting better. I've grown more and it becomes more easy. But um, for the hijab, you know, inshallah, but it's, it's very difficult being in the Western world, being afraid. And, you know, like then wearing it in the past and people are like, you don't look Muslim. Or people look at me like, and they hear me talk and they see how I look and they're just kind of like, I can tell they're sizing me up and I'm like, I don't want to get attacked. You never know what's going to happen in America. You never know what's going to yeah. happen. Not just in America, anywhere. Yeah. It's mentally exhausting, by the way, to have to have conversations with your with yourself, to calm yourself down based on what these low-level thinkers are telling you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, it's just unnecessary. I could only imagine how many went back to the old religion because they couldn't do it anymore. It's too stressful. Being Muslim, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting bullied i'm getting teased my house is getting broken into you know what let me just no longer be muslim but for you to to be resilient and to be stronger and to put up with it under such hard times is why i say you have a lot to be proud of alhamdulillah well and i i like i said when i was a new muslim it was very difficult it was i was starving for friendship i wanted a sense of belonging so I really wanted to be accepted at, into the Muslim groups. I didn't know how to make friends because it's like, I would see a, the only way to know if somebody's Muslim is if they wear hijab. And I'd walk by and say, Salam alaikum. And they'd look at me like, like what? Okay, she's so cultured. Is she FBI? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I really wanted friends. And so when I went online, it wasn't to become an influencer or anything like that. I was just really wanting friends. I reached out to some local um, hijabis in my area like hey I've never been to the mosque I was wondering if you know you can give me advice I was wanting somebody to say hey girl I'll take you and nobody did yeah. and so it's like it really deterred me for a long time but it was I was thirsty for the companionship the friendship so that's why I started going online and adding I actually had two Instagrams the one where I was secretly Muslim and then the other one because there was so much pressure from my family from my society to stay the way I was and as I started learning it, it was like, it's disgusting that you would want to be modest. Why would you do that? You've you've always worn shorts. You, And so to feel that, that pushback from my community and be like, it really made me start assessing the Western culture and the narrative and say, well, why are they conditioning women to do this? Why do we need all of that? Why, why are we only great if we're young or we look a certain way? And so, you know, I was secretly Muslim. I was having a mental breakdown. And my best friend who was non-Muslim, she does hair. And she actually said, she's like, you need to be authentic and accept yourself. Anybody who doesn't accept you or care, like doesn't like this, it's too bad. So my New Year's resolution 2020 was to be authentic. And so she, because she does hair, she goes, can't you put like the blonde Muslim or something? And so we sat there and I, I, I tried it and it was open and I did it. And she's like, do it. And I was like, oh my God, everybody's good. I'm Muslim. They're going to all disown me. Like, so it was really just me kind of like taking a stand and trying to accept myself. And then from there, it's like I, I probably had 200 followers. I was just trying to make friends. And so I started making these videos. This is how you hide your Ramadan. This is how you hide your Sahur because I was praying in secret. I was fasting in secret. So I was trying to make it easier for the girls like me. And then my videos got shared. And it's just it's crazy because so many people go through this 
And so it's like, as people come to the faith, I don't know how they find me, but I want to be just like I said, everybody's big sister and like, it's okay. I'm here. You're not alone. And that, that uh, sense of being able to relate is what really helps. So liberating? Watch fire. No longer hiding? No, it was very stressful and very scary yeah. because it's just like, you just are putting yourself out there. I was claiming it. I was like, you know, it's funny because it's like I started feeling like friends and family were judging me. Everybody thought I was a freak. I was very insecure about it. I also wanted to be Muslim but didn't know how to make friends. It was a very awkward time, you know, and then going to the mosque and feeling like, well, I look different and it's okay, you know. It was a lot. And so it's like I really had to get thick skin because, you know, then on top of it, my videos started going viral and I'm like, yeah, and now people recognize me. And so it's like now, now that it's grown, it's like it's a it's a mercy, it's a blessing. I have so many friends now, you know, even if they're not in person, to make those friends, be able to connect with people and to add the value. And now to be able to say, I'm Muslim. Yeah. And now I'm confident in it. And it's it's a great way to do Dawah and um educate people. I mean, you're a gateway between East meets West. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> you know, we're lucky we live in a in a time of social media for, for many reasons. If you use it for the right reasons, mm -hmm. you imagine how many people wouldn't have known of you if it was pre-social media days. It'll just be the people in Reno and the people that you met in California. And, you know, that's probably it. Mm -hmm. um, so social media being a tool, uh, has it done more good uh, than harm for you in, in getting the word out there and putting your messages out there? I would say social media is amazing if you use it the right way. And I feel like most people are not because it's like, I can't imagine going on somebody's page and leaving a comment like, hey, I hate the way you do your hair, or you shouldn't wear that shirt, or you should do this. And I think that the issue I experience is that there's so much toxic bullying disguised as advice. Um, it's I, th I don't necessarily think it's healthy for us to have such huge um, connection with other people, so much input and stuff like this. Like, I literally can't check my comments or my DMs. So it's like, subhanAllah, I saw yours. I, I, I really have developed an avoidance to self-protect, and I've just had to get thick skin to manage that. So what made you click on mine? I don't know. I think I was just kind of like cruising through every time, every once in a while I click and I cruise through it. I just, I don't know. I saw, I think that you have the, the, the yeah. yeah and I was like, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but you know, it's so beautiful to be able to, you know, connect with millions of people all over the world and to be able to do charity. That's the other thing I stumbled on and to be able to invite people to do good with me where it's like, I did my first fundraiser and then I did my second and I did my third and now I just full-time fundraise. And it's like one of the blessings that I have is to be able to reach people and do good together to educate. And so it's just kind of like, I'm just trying to show my lifestyle. Um, people think I'm like a religious page and it's not so much about religion as it is. I just, this is just me living my life. I invite everybody else to it. What is the, where does the funding go to via the fundraising that you do? All sorts of causes. Okay. Yeah, so I do emergency fundraising for disasters. I do fundraising in Ramadan. I mean, there's that's one thing I didn't do as a Christian or as a non-Muslim is fundraising. And it's like the, the ability to connect with people and make a difference, whether it's answering a message and providing support, making them not feel alone, making somebody feel loved, or you know, raising funds. I, I get to go and do projects in person and travel the world and just see how everybody else is living. It really, really softens your heart. Yeah. We're more similar than we are not similar. I mean, the world is just getting smaller, I feel, every year. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you felt it through through your travel. You probably never thought, you'd, you, you know, you'd feel like you belong when coming to Saudi. And here you probably are looking to extend your trip. Yeah. 
slash maybe look into real estate. I know, like it's so um, nice here. I love it here. <laughs> How's your Arabic game? Alhamdulillah, it's growing. It's like I, I taught myself how to read and write. So I know that alphabet that's helped with pronunciation. And, you know, I went to learn more about Quran and stuff like that. So I'd love to actually be more in a Arabic speaking area so I could actually practice. And like the one thing I want to do is get fluent because I would love to be able to like stand and listen to people and chime in. Yeah. Shock people. I'm still very impressed with the way you say Muhammad. Oh, thank you. Because it's because the ha is not in the English language. Yeah. Or the kha or the a, and I think you can hit on all those letters. Yeah, it was really hard at first. Like I said, at first I was like salam alaikum, and then it was like salam alaikum, and it's like learning the See? alphabet. Yeah, ah, so you got it. The hardest one at first was kha, and then probably ha, and then ain. Ain was hard. Now you're just showing off. And now it, now it's a thought like so you know because we just it's so different. But you know it's like people are like, how did you do this? And I'm like, okay, download this app, do it like this. And so I have a degree in psychology. And I love like the processes behind things. So it's like, I'm trying to always find a way. Okay, I had to teach myself and go through all this craziness. And it was like really backwards how I learned that. How can I bring somebody in? Not me bring somebody in. How Somebody who comes in, What? how can I say, this is the steps you should do to have the best success. And I feel like that's what we're missing in the, the revert communities. It's like everybody wants to provide support and give advice, but they haven't really gone through the process to understand. When you teach somebody how to pray, they don't know Arabic. They don't know... They don't know anything. And it's it's so it's overwhelming. Yeah. Five praying five times a day. It's it's overwhelming for those who've been practicing the religion for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Let alone someone new to it. Yeah. Ramadan is uh is one of my, it's probably my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only time of the year, believe it or not, where with age this happened, where I actually monitor where I eat. It's not like sundown, eat everything. Yeah. Now it's like actually I'm not that hungry. So let me just look at look at it as a as an opportunity to calculate and be mindful of what I'm putting in my body, mm-hmm. um, be it anything, not just food. Consumption of content, for example, Absolutely. is what I'm watching, is what I'm reading, uh, is is that good for me or not? Um, Ramadan for you, your first Ramadan. How was that experience? So stressful. <laughs> <laughs> It's the thirst, right? The thirst gets you. It's not even that. For me, it was trying to fast, trying, I think I wore hijab my whole Ramadan, but I think I was wearing like a hoodie with the hood up. Okay. That was easier. Does the job. Yeah. Um, mostly like feeling the pressure from my family going like, why would you do this? This is so twisted. You think God doesn't want you to have food and water? You think God cares if you do this? And so for me, it's like, I really like to think about things. And so I'm like, well, do you think God doesn't deserve it? You know, or or people would say, wow, I could never do it. I could never do that. I'm like, well, you could, but will you? You know, and so for me, it like really taught me. I like to look at, I mean, Islam, really, there's so much to learn from it, whether you're learning like, subhanAllah, what it does to your body, how it's good for your mind, how it's improving your health. And, you know, even like the sunnahs behind like not overeating and stuff like this. I, it's just like, for me, it's just like so, so many different things True. to learn. Gluttony, one yeah. of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. And so it's like my first Ramadan was so, so hard because I was hiding it. I had a roommate at the time and she didn't know I was Muslim. So I was just pretending like I wasn't. So these, this is one of my first videos. It was like, you may not realize if you're living with people who are against Islam, you have to like wake up every day at three, four in the morning for Sahur. But how do you wake up without alerting them, without your alarm? I'm like, so I'm like, okay, girls, put your alarm on vibrate, put it under your pillow, set 20 alarms. When you go to bed, bring your water in, make your overnight oats, make sure you have everything so that you can wake up and eat in your room. You can go to the bathroom, make wudu, because it's not a big deal if you wake up and go to the bathroom, but it's a big deal if you're waking up and you're in the kitchen. 
because then they're gonna they're gonna know that like what are you doing in there why are you eating you know and 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 it's really sad but a lot of people have been through so much I get these young girls women all over the world saying like they you know my parents are throwing me out they're like 15 years old like hey I just I only because have, I refer to mm-hmm, I only have a biscuit and I'm sitting here eating a little packaged biscuit for breakfast in my room and everybody's sad and it's like you know this one girl she was so young like 15 and they kept finding her prayer clothes in her front throwing it out and said if you do this one more time we're kicking you out you know so it's like to be able to be there and be like it's okay it's okay you know like do you you know like because there's the pressure to like be the best muslim you can and feel like you're doing it for a lot but then there's also a stress where you're like i'm not being a good muslim and i'm hiding and this and this and so it's like i hid my prayers for a really long time and then finally it was like an act of rebellion where i finally like changed my name on instagram and then i was just finally like stop telling me who you want me to be if you don't love me for who i am leave me alone you know in the it's funny when you don't when you don't walk a mile in someone's shoes like i never for a second thought of the person who has to hide them being Muslims and what they have to go through. And here there is someone who's providing hacks on how you can get over this complexity that that you had to face. Mm -hmm. In the world where, especially in the West now, LGBTQ and all of that, being your own person, you're almost encouraged to you know, show yourself in, in, in all your colors. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that there is still pushback on those who want to express themselves by way of being Muslim. And I mean, it's okay for the LGBTQ, but it's not okay for being... Muslim. And that's the interesting thing. One of my first friends I made was in Tennessee. And so it's like we were just messaging and it was just to have that sense of relatability. Like, okay, girl, so how do you do this? How do you hide your purse? How do you... And it was, she said, my parents would prefer that I came out as LGBT versus coming out as Muslim. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, and it's when you break it down and you start thinking about it, it's like, what is so threatening about believing in God, only one God, and believing in all the prophets, including Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa What is the issue here? You know what I mean? And so it's it's very interesting. That's the yeah. question though. And, and you know, I, I communicate, I've communicated with thousands of girls and the num- one of the number one things is how do I tell my parents I'm Muslim? Yeah. And so I'm like, the fact that I have Virtual strangers reaching out to me, asking me how to tell your parents, you know your parents, and the reason why you're coming to me is you know that they're going to not like it. Why not? You know, and a lot of a lot of families are open to it. I hear a lot of great stories where, you know, the parents support it and say, do whatever you want. I don't care if you, if you think you're a turtle or you, you know, whatever, I love you, just be happy. But But mostly it's like, it's such a bad thing to do. Politics is the reason that gave Islam a bad reputation. I was in the States. I was in school in the States in 2001. I lived the before and after. Mm -hmm. It was never a problem when I was in California in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And after September 11th, I had to, for the first time ever, maybe not say that I'm Muslim or not say I'm from Saudi Arabia uh, because there were targets on our back. Not that I ever felt anything, but America changed after that. And, And that day is politically charged. Yeah. So... Now harder than ever, but there was a time when it was accepted. Mm-hmm. Being a Muslim, it was fine. I remember in, in, in the World Cup in the US in 1994, Saudi was the surprise of that tournament. And there are images, there are videos of Americans supporting us because we beat Belgium 1-0 and we made it to the round of 16 and then mm-hmm. Sweden beat us 3-1 and, and Saudi was like this new kid on the block and they're cute and they're nice. And 
it wasn't the same thing in Germany 2006. There was a before and an after. Um, and and it, and it just pains me to, to, to think that politics is the reason for the bad reputation being something that people who revert to the religion have to go through. Yeah. Well, and I think it has to do with end of times. Like, in my opinion, I'm like, they want to weaken the Muslims and deter them because if they can get us off our deen and, you know, we're like really living the real life. And I feel like Islam is the key to personal empowerment and personal freedom, you know. So if you want to control them, take that away. You know what, Candice, sometimes if I'm sitting at home and it's 8 or 9 p.m. And, and I realize that there's something bothering me. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's bothering me. Did I not do something? Did I, did I forget to call someone back? And it's like, Mo, you idiot. You didn't pray Hesha yet. <laughs> or you didn't pray Hesha and Maghrib. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't. Three kids syndrome and like, you know, sometimes you can get distracted. So I go at Wadda and I pray. Yeah. And all is good in my in my world, you know. Like it's it's, it's like an itch that that I that I had to scratch that I feel it when I don't. Do you, do you get that too? Do you feel the energy after praying? Yeah, I mean, I alhamdulillah, it's like I developed that relationship with prayer really early on, and I just made it a non-negotiable. A lot of people message me and they want to know how do I get inspired to pray? How do I pray my five? And I just say, you know, when you do the right thing, you don't have that dark cloud over you. So, you know, I'm like, just do it. You wake up, you brush your teeth, you go to work and you don't want to do that, you know? So it's like, for me, I'm like, I try not to get in bed or relax like that. I feel, I would say, I don't feel like I deserve to get in bed and relax and go to sleep if I haven't done my salah. You know, even if slight, I make it up because it's good to keep it in the habit of doing five because it's like, if I do three today, oh, I didn't, you know, eventually you get to the point where you're like, I don't even do it. And so I'm always just encouraging everybody, you know, you're going to have your day. Like, how do you want to go? You know, very good way to look at it. Yeah. You don't deserve to relax unless you gave God what he asked you for. Yeah. He gives us so much. He gives us, you know, 23 and a half hours to ourselves. We can do whatever we want, you know, and within limits. And it's like, Salah, it's like really not that hard. It takes five minutes. You know, it's so good for you and it has to you. But I think that that's like we have to develop the relationship and understand what's happening emotionally, physically, spiritually, how it was revealed. Uh, you know, so when I try and teach girls, it's not just like do this and you this is the direction you face. It's like you have to understand it and to understand how beautiful it is. I'm sure you came across and it, and it is beautiful. And I'm sure you came across um, the fact that the first thing God asks you when you're in your grave is whether you prayed or not. Mm -hmm. That's like the first thing. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't, you're in a group where that you will be dealt with after I deal with the people who who have prayed, but maybe, you know, it's the first thing that you're asked for. And that, that's just, that makes me want to get up and pray right now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, it's like, Arahman, Arahim, right? But it's like, I, it's part of why I did my Shahada. It's like, I'm scared. I, I always kind of had that nature. Like, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. And I feel like that. I don't want to have to sit with the law and have to be like, oops, you know, or be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So I try, it's like I do so many other things wrong and I'm so bad at so many other things. The least I can do is do my salah. Yeah. Sometimes I think that for those who have passed away, there's three ways that they can still get hasanat. One of them is a charity that, that keeps on, uh, on giving in their name, a child that prays for them. And um, there's a third one. I'm blanking on it. I'll, I'll get to it. And I often think to myself, what the dead would do for one more day on the planet. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like changed the way I approach things. Mm -hmm. Praying on time. This is like I feel different when I pray compared to when I pray on time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I always, the Fajr is obviously the tricky one. But if you could pray Fajr and start your day then, I don't think it is possible to have anyone put you in a bad mood for the yeah. rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're almost like, you're almost like, um, what's, uh, am I blanking on words today? You're immune to negativity and anyone ruining your day because God's like protecting you because you put him first the first the first thing you did when you woke up uh-huh you know yeah it's really beautiful and I mean it's like as people we just want to we just want to do what we want to do but it's like you know you see people when they finally get the day off work and it's like if you could do whatever you wanted in life would you really be happy if you just laid in bed all day and just overate and just watch tv we need the parameters as people we need the challenges that's why they say whenever you're whenever you're doing goal setting and you're about to reach one goal, set another goal. Because if you reach the finish line of the goal and you don't have something else that you're working on, you're just like... Yep, stationary. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, what do you do for a living? I do full-time social media, fundraising. And like I said, I, I just feel like I'm Muslim. Alhamdulillah. Dream job? Dream job, yes. I actually, I started a prayer dress line. So I've been doing that. I mean... Because it's like for me in California, I didn't know where to get any of these things. And so it's like really what I'm trying to do is like I get so many emails and DMs, alhamdulillah, but I feel bad for the girl who's waiting to learn how to pray. Or I feel, you know, everybody's like, where do I buy this in America? I'm like, I don't know. I get stuff when I'm on vacation. So I designed prayer gowns and I I, um, created a line for girls because I'm like the whole thing behind is like everything I do is I want to inspire everybody to be the best version of themselves. And that means being the best Muslim, having that relationship with Allah, taking the time because it's like, it's so good for us. Did you ever see yourself as one day becoming, and whether you like it or not, you are a social media influencer, but was that ever, did you feel in the cards for you? No, I, and I did, I'm starting to realize I'm kind of introverted and I, I'm actually introverted, extroverted. So it's like, I can turn on my customer, I call it my customer service voice and really like do it, but I'm realizing how shy I am. Um, it wasn't something I was trying to do. I was trying to make friends. And so I just, I was trying to make friends. Like I said, my my things started getting shared and I just kept learning. And as I learn, I document and, you know, people have approached me like, how are you doing this? How are you getting, because I went from 200 followers to like on Instagram, I have 230,000. I have the TikTok, the YouTube, and people are trying to get famous. <laughs> Your engagement is very high, by the way. Alhamdulillah, when yeah. you drop something, the comments rain in, mashallah. Yeah. More, yeah. more and more to come, inshallah. Yeah, I, my account, like in this last 30 days, has reached like over a million people. So it's like I don't have a million followers, but I'm having a big reach. So no wonder people recognize me when I'm out and I'm just dumbfounded. Like, and somebody said one time, like, maybe Allah is like putting a veil over you so you don't quite see what you're doing and the impact or whatever. Cause I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm just over here taking like videos and doing my life. And I can't believe that. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's just really crazy to have such a big following. And it's, like I said, it's not something that I wanted. And at the time when I was going viral, and at times I do struggle. I go online, I have meltdowns and I cry. And people are like, stop giving attention to the haters and the people saying mean things. But it's like, I have, I know that I'm not perfect, but I have a good heart. And I mean well, and I'm out here, you know, fundraising. I'm leaving my home and I'm going, you know, across the world so I can attend seminars so that I can add value. And people are over here literally sending me messages saying I'm a coward for being in Qatar on vacation when, you know, everything with Palestine's going on, you're disgusting, how can you? And I'm like, on holiday, I'm literally here on work. And so it's like, what I've realized is like, people just don't think. Like when I was in, uh, I was in Kenya during Ramadan last year and we were fundraising for Wajir, it's a severe drought zone. 
and you know we're showing these huge vats of rice and beans and people are like you're a fraud why not get them chicken so then i had to go and show these huts people live in they don't have a fridge they don't have a kitchen they come and they collect their beans and their rice and their pail they feed their kids and they save the rest for their iftar mm. and it's just like once you start showing they're like oh you know so okay. it's like people are so quick to talk without like any knowledge so the number one thing I always try and do is like, I think of the Prophet and how when people talk to me badly and they judge me and they say this, instead of responding and reacting, I try and take a moment to think about who I'm speaking to and teach them. And a lot of times they're like, I'm so sorry for speaking. I just opened a message like the other day and they said, I'm so sorry for the comments I've left you in the past. And now that they see me in Mecca, and I'm like, I don't know if they think I'm, a lot of people think I'm doing this for fame or for attention or for, and I'm, you know, subhanAllah. So it's like, my intention is just to, inshallah, make, make a difference and add value. And you are. Yeah. But a lot of people who just want the likes and stuff, they're like, like my one of my good friends, she's always said, you do the very least and you're just going. And I'm like, I don't know. It's a mercy it's, for It's God's work. Yeah. And it's a responsibility. I, and I look at it like that because people say, well, if it's too much for you emotionally, why don't you stop? And I'm like, I can't. I can't stop praying. I can't stop being Muslim. It's like, can't, I can't just stop. He's given me this opportunity. I have to keep going. And it gives you a high. Yeah. You know, yeah, you feel like, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know if high is the right word, but maybe it is an, an emotional, a spiritual high. Yeah. I mean, uh, for, and for me as an influencer, it's really interesting because it's like when you get a little bit of followers, people start acting weird. And it's like, I'm just a regular person, but people are like, thank you for responding to me. And I'm like, I want to be everybody's big sister. And I'm like, girl, stop. And I'll follow them back. They're like, Oh my gosh, she, you know, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and it, it's cute, but it's also very dehumanizing in a lot of ways because I see people when I'm out, and I, you know, I'm I'm happy to that people recognize me. I'm I'm grateful to be known for Islam over something else. Yeah, how about that? But you know, they just take pictures without asking, and they lose their manners, and they're just kind of like, well, you put yourself on social media, you deserve all these comments. And I'm like, well, technically, I feel like Allah has a plan for me, and this is what's happening. But you know, it's just gonna come. It's just the nature of people. So you respond to negative comments or are you tr are you restraining yourself from doing so? I do. I respond. I will have the conversations with people because they just say the craziest things, mm. you know, or they'll just say, you're going to hell. I can't believe you don't wear hijab. And I'm just like, can you, you know, and I always bring it back to the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu And it's like people, they don't really even know the faith. So you have to be kind with them. And so he is just my ultimate role model. And I feel like you know, I just always am trying to be like him and I feel so connected with him. But I'm like, now I'm in the lands where he is. I can't believe it. So loud. Full circle. I just, I mean, it's just so crazy to go to these spots and get to see it. It's just like. It's real. It's so crazy. Uh, it, but just, you know, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Uh, these negative commenters or commentators, mm -hmm. it tells you more about them what's going on inside than it, than it is about you. And, I, and I've, um, I've come across people in life where, you know, they lose their mind and, you know, just really show very little acts of self-restraint. And only with time did I realize that that told me a lot more about them than it did about me. They were going through something in their life. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and it was confirmed, like they were going through something really bad in their life. That's why they spoke to me. Then they eventually came happier and they were better human beings. Absolutely. And that's something I had to learn. I'm like, it's, I mean, I'm like, imagine what your life has to be like to go leave somebody a mean message or a mean comment. Imagine. And and so I had to realize how people are as a reflection of them. It's not a reflection of me. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like I always try and leave people better than, you know, 
better than before and depart everybody with goodness. And it's like becoming Muslim has been the best life hack because I now understand the stories of Ibrahim alayhi salam, uh, Jacob, Joseph, all of these people that I knew their names, but I didn't understand the stories. And so it's like when I'm going through hardship, I'm able to think of um, Jacob alayhi salam and how he cried until he was almost blind you know, because of the loss of his son. So I'm like, man, I'm going through a hard time, but you know, I haven't cried nearly enough. Or I think about, you know, the Prophet وسلم, and the neighbor, how she treated him and he still checked on her. So it's like, I just try and do good because that's, it's so hard. It's easy to react. It's easy to use bad language. It's so easy to be angry, but you know, it feels really good whenever you don't do that, even few, though it's hard. <laughs> few people take the high roads. Mm -hmm. Never in my life in the middle of an episode uh, did I land on what the subtitle will be on the YouTube thumbnail. So we have like a, a catchy phrase so people know what to expect. Becoming a Muslim is a life hack is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, and that's most likely what is going to be on the YouTube okay, thumbnail. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's true though, you know, because it's like, it's definitely difficult. It's hard to do the right things. It's just our nature. And and, you know, people feel this pressure to be perfect. And there is a pressure they put on you to be perfect. And I'm like, we were not created in this state of perfection. Perfection is reserved only for Allah. He created Adam. He created Eve. And what did they do? They broke the rules right away. And they came back. And so I read something once in this book, and it was so beautiful. It says, like, some people see Allah as a probation officer. That's like, God is light. And it's like, try, I'm going to send you back to jail. Or some people see him, you know, loves us more than our mother. And so it's like, at times I feel like I've discovered something different because there's so many different, I see the way the different cultures, the lack of Islam, the lack of understanding. And it's just, it's just, it's a lot. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. Overwhelming. Probably needless to ask you, what is the best advice you are happy that you never listened to? The best advice I'm happy. Take your time that I never listened to. Slash, what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? I mean, it's funny because Muslims, we, I was talking about this with one of the girls on my group last night, that we follow the rules and we're always Googling everything, trying to figure out, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? The I've, I feel like not taking advice from everybody was really beneficial for me because us and the Muslim people were all trying to advise me and guide me. And in the beginning, I'm like, you can ask five Muslims something and they'll each give you a different thing to do. So I stopped listening to people altogether and I, I turned inward and I did my own research and I still do that. I don't really care what other people think or what they tell me. And it caused like, you know, disagreements with some of the other girls I was friends with because they're like, I told you that you need to fast it like this. And I'm like, well, that's really great. You can do it like that. But I've done my research, you know? So I guess like, just kind of cutting everybody out was really the key for me to building my own relationship with it. Reading the Quran was so fundamental for understanding the faith and then having the ability to critically evaluate the information because you hear the craziest things. Like, <laughs> Especially in your world, there was a lot of noise you had to cancel out. Mm -hmm. When I read the Quran in English, I understand it a lot more in Arabic because Arabic is colloquial. It's... It, it, there are words in the Quran that we don't, they're not everyday words, but when you translate it into English, there are everyday words there. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you can take any ayah, put it on canvas and somewhere up in your house and just live by it. Mm -hmm. uh, on the subject of ayahs, is there an ayah or, or a surah 
that uh, that you favor that mm-hmm. you you go back to? Yes. Um, oh, Muhammad, had you been hard and harsh, people would have dispersed from you. And so I feel like there's so much to learn from that because the way people advise and the way they hurt each other, you know, somebody, I talk to women all the time, they go to the mosque for the first time, they're still wearing fake nails and somebody will come up and say, you know, your prayer is not accepted. And and she's like, I'm not coming back here. This was so rude. This was my first time. I'm not even Muslim yet. Bad experience. Yeah, bad experience or just the way we advise and hurt each other. And it's like, had he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, had he been harsh, nobody would have become Muslim. You know, and it's like you think about the abolishment of alcohol over phases. I mean, there's just so much knowledge in that. What was the ayah again? I think it's in chapter five. It's, oh, Muhammad, had you been hard and harsh, people would have dispersed from you. Hard and harsh. Yeah. 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 And he was, I mean, you know, it's the more you, the more I learn, the more I just am like, wow, subhanAllah, he's so nice. Like, yeah. I want to be like that. Inshallah. Yeah, mashallah. Any weaknesses that you want to work on? Any New Year's resolutions? Yeah. Um, I feel like becoming a social media influencer and having so much noise. Like I said, I had to develop really thick skin, but it's caused me to isolate myself. I find myself not wanting to go to group events, not wanting to go to the gym, not wanting to go to the masjid. Um, I went to my first, it's called Mass, um, big convention in Ontario, north of LA. And it was like, I went because I had to do interviews for a collaboration I was doing. So I was interviewing about Islamophobia. So my friend said, hey, come up to the convention. I'm going to have a booth. And I went up and everybody knew me. And it was just like the craziest thing. I was like, she's like, what did you think? And I'm like, I didn't know anybody like this. And so it was like, I really am trying to get out of my shell and network and make friends and have more of a sense of community because I just am so to myself. That's another thing. Islamophobia didn't exist before September 11th. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something of recent and now it's like a term mm-hmm. Islamophobia mm-hmm. but I like that there are these uh, efforts to to combat that to set the record straight probably something that's put together by the Muslim community in LA I don't know I feel like we just all have to do our parts yeah. you know and it's like as I have the conversations I realize everybody's it's like how do you how do you tell somebody what Islam is in one sentence you can't it's like I pray I fast no it's not that it's I have beautiful behavior I have self-control I try and do the right things I and they, I feel like the West just doesn't even understand what it is. There's so many misconceptions. Um, so it's just, it's very comprehensive trying to show people in a beautiful way. Like when I became Muslim, my mom was like, they don't even believe in God. They believe in a guy, Allah. And I, so I had to explain like the differences in language because I think Americans think that they started the world and they don't realize how brand new they are, like where a lot of the words a lot of the practices, a lot of science, a lot of math, it all came from, you know, Muslims, mm-hmm. you know. So people just don't understand history too, so. Also the conditioning or the programming. Uh, I almost like, I don't I don't blame modern day Americans because they've been conditioned to believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and here you are setting the record straight that it's not what you have been conditioned to believe. It's actually more like this. I have been, now when you go back to the States, I've been, I've seen, and... They happen to be way more civilized than you might imagine. Uh, it just baffles me how people think that, you know, the, the reaction that your parents had, are you really going to go to Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Don't do it. You know, we're never going to see you again. Yeah. Uh, I hear I hear, I hear, hear that a lot from the Americans that, that, that come to Saudi and how their parents... Well, it's everywhere I go, whether I'm going to Mexico or I'm going to Turkey or I'm going to Morocco. You know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like Americans are very frantic and people say they're very like... 
you know, right. and I feel like that's part of the conditioning is to keep us there and keep them isolated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, but, you know, it's like I just try and have the conversations. There's a lot of back to the what we were talking about earlier, the hypocrisies and the double yeah. standards is, you know, why is it OK for a Christian to do this or a non-Muslim to do this, but not a Muslim? So I have those conversations with my family and my friends and I do stand up and I say, well, well, what about this? You know, you think that Muslims are messed up. Well, what about, you know, our family friend who went and cheated on his wife? Is that Christianity? Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is I get hate from everybody. So I get pastors holding lives talking about how stupid I am. And I get people making YouTube videos. I get, you know, the Hindus will, I don't know, put out a bulletin and they just spam me. So it's like I get it, you know, from everyone. But, you know, somebody said shaitan is not trying to go after the people in the clubs. He's already done his, done his work. And do you think shaitan's not going to go after somebody who's like, so, like, I love this. Oh, my gosh, I'm spreading it. Like, you know, not that I'm doing anything. Allah's spreading it, but I don't know. So I see your point. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's hard and it's really, really challenging to, to block out such negativity. Yeah. And, and, and what can come from those who you know, want to irritate you, yeah. take you down, or, you know, mm -hmm. just stop spreading the positivity that you are. Yeah. Um, a lot on your plate. With age, have you felt that you've gotten happier? Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes with age. It's interesting because America's so ageist. Like, you're so, you're only perfect until you're 29, you know? <laughs> and it's like, if we were supposed to be young our whole lives, Allah would have created us in that state. We would have stayed like that forever, right? Um, it's really interesting, and I think it's just the wisdom that comes with age and life experience. And with age, you're right, wisdom, you really should be getting up here. Yeah, and I mean, we've been programmed, especially in the West, to think that these things are normal, and they're really not. It's like, when I, I mean, I was never a big drinker because I was intolerant, and so it was just like a social, you know, something here or there, and I stopped, you know, when I became Muslim, but it was so interesting. Socially, when I would say, no, I don't drink, people are like, are you an alcoholic? <laughs> no. Are you pregnant? No. Okay. Why? And it's funny because like I would still hang out with my friends who would drink, and I say, no, 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 go ahead. And I, I don't like. I, and I had to make excuses, and people reach out and they ask me. So it's interesting. I get asked all sorts of questions, like, hey, how do I, um, how do I act? How do I not drink in front of people and still be accepted by my work colleagues? How do I? And I say. Well, you know, it's not like we don't have to lie, but it's easier to make excuses. Oh, I'm on a diet. Oh, I'm cutting out calories. Oh, I'm having dry January. And um, sober October. <laughs> sober every month, you know, and if, it's interesting. And it was very interesting to me that I had to do that and that so many people experience that. But I, what I realized, it's like when you associate with people who are still doing that, they think that you're judging them. So, and it comes back to it's more them and their issues. Yeah, but then it's like you learn about how toxic alcohol is. You learn what's happening and how you're allowing evil into yourself. And so then I'm like, I can't even believe this stuff is legal and people still do it. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and so it's like that's where I'm like, you really have to protect yourself on all fronts. And that's where I take like, I feel like some people look at Islam or the Quran and they look at it like, um, like a fable kind of. They don't really understand every time you're reciting, you're protecting yourself and you know, I heard one scholar said, listen to all, not just your favorite ayah and your favorite verse or your favorite chapter. You've got to listen to them all because it's protecting you and curing you of things you didn't even know you had. So I try and really take it like this is serious. I need to, to protect myself. I think most people don't want to know, Candice. I think they just want to numb themselves yeah. with the aforementioned items. It's easy to do. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, oh my God, no, if, if I 
if I turn to you know this religion, I might discover things about myself that I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll come to the realization of all the things that I haven't done or all the bad things that I have done. So let me just continue to numb myself. It tees to get me through the day. Yeah, it's very the dark. paradigms they have. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of people don't want to be open to it because it would cause them to have to assess what, the way they're living their lives, the things they're doing, and people don't want to stop. It's easier to stay in routines and bad habits than it is to change. It's definitely hard to change. It's hard to be different. It's hard to improve yourself, but it's ultimately rewarding when you put the work in. Absolutely. You could speak on that for sure. Too much, too much has been normalized that should not have been normalized in the world we live in today. Absolutely. Across so many different verticals. Mm-hmm. 10 years from now, paint me a picture of what you want life to, to be. I don't know. People ask me this about five years. And I'm like, you know, inshallah, like the first thing that comes to mind is like, I want to get fluent in Arabic, inshallah. Yes. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I would love to have, um, you know, I was talking to some sisters recently and it's funny because they dropped their daughters off at Sunday school and they said, let's go to the coffee shop across the alley. And it's actually like a coffee shop in the front part of a church like this, like kind of joined. And so we went and we had it. And we're sitting there. And I, I said, look at this. You got all sorts of people. You got Muslims in here having za'atar for breakfast with the coffee. You've got the people going in there. And there was such harmony. And I said, I would love to see us being able to all unite, you know, like humanity. I would love to see the Muslims uniting. I would love to be able to do things to, you know, bring people together. And I don't know. I'm like, I would love to build masjids. I would love to travel. I just want to like help the world. So I don't, I don't know. I probably should think more about what I want. I'd love to get married, inshallah, have my own family and live in a Muslim country. Is marrying a Muslim like the number one priority? Would you marry a non-Muslim? What? (laughs) No. People, uh, why would I do that? In hope that maybe one day he can convert. Mm-mm. You know, like, no. like okay, let me rephrase. If you, if you <laughs> fell in love with a non-Muslim, and and almost try to convince him to revert, um, would that be something that you consider, or would he have to be Muslim from Mm-mm. the get-go? Because I know guidance comes from Allah, okay. you know, and it's like you look at like the Sahaba. May Allah be pleased with them. And some of them, you know, were so against Islam. And some were guided, but then you look at the Prophet, peace be upon him, as an uncle, and he never did. So I feel like that's risky for me. It's like I want to have a strong Muslim and somebody to join me in what I do who has the same view of Islam, the same love, because I'm like, I can't imagine what it would be like to have somebody in my corner and to have a Muslim family member and to feel like somebody to pray with. You know, I always pray by myself. So somebody to fast with, like, I just think that would be incredible. So, inshallah, that dream comes true. I mean, I can only imagine like how how fulfilling it would be for you to be able yeah. to share that with someone who shares your values. Yeah. You can learn from each other and push each other. Yeah, inshallah. Um, so inshallah, thank you so much, Candice, thank for you. coming on the show. Uh, inspiring, truly inspiring, unique. Um, thank you. I don't know why I'm speaking on behalf of Muslims, but for a second I'm going. <laughs> thank you for spreading the word in parts of the world. Thank you for spreading the word in parts of the world where the word does not reach. Um, and and again, you know, it's it's easier to practice in a Muslim country than it is in not. So I salute you, and I'm sure many people who have watched or heard this episode will do the same. Thank you. I always say it's it's easy to be a Muslim. It's people that make it hard. Yeah. Wow. So because when you think about it, like, so true. What does it mean? Is it hard to believe in God? No. no? It's easy, and that's the beauty of Islam. Yeah. So yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. 
block out the noise. Yes. And uh, eventually they'll all come around like the people who have come around and, you know, said, ooh, okay, so you're in Mecca now. And they were the same people throwing you under the bus a few years ago. Uh-huh. So. And, and it's like one message I opened and they were going on and on saying, I'm not allowed to go to Mecca without a mahram. This is haram. It doesn't matter if they've made it okay. And then the latest one, when I opened it and I scrolled us all of this, it was like, please make the Allah. Okay. Now you want that. Now it's not haram. <laughs> yeah, that's not haram. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of the couple of days you have in Saudi. Thank you. Make it an annual, if not a couple of times a year. Oh, inshallah, thing, inshallah. Know. I know it's a long flight, but it's it's nice when you're here. I'm taking long. I just took long flights. I just took my flight back home last week and then came back. So I'm like, I really need to consider finding a base on this side of the world so I'm not having to go all the way back. You you went back and you came in, in, in two weeks? Mm-hmm. I, I, was, wow. I went back and I was there for, I think, eight days. And oh. then I turned around, I came back, and then I will be going home for about two weeks. And then I'll be back, inshallah, to... Some other areas. Look at you. Amazing. Fantastic. (laughs) A lot of travel spend. Awesome. Good luck in all the adventures. Thank Thank you you. so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And let's let's talk again in a few years. Inshallah. All right. See where everything's at. Inshallah. Thank you, Kansas. So much. Thank you.